Welcome to the Church Interpreting Podcast. I'm Jonathan Downey. And I'm Lauren Elvisu. And on the show today... Lauren will be giving us lessons from the Tower of Babel. Jonathan will be talking about the thinking that you need for interpreting to work in your church. We'll have our regular four-minute interview and end, as usual, with a quick tip. But first, here's Lauren. There's an elephant in the room. Something we have not yet spoken about. So today, let's talk about it. Language. Where it comes from, the beginning of it. Let's talk about the Tower of Babylon, or the Tower of Babel. This passage is found in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and it's a story about human selfishness, about divine justice, and primarily about language, which as interpreters is something that we deal with every day, right? And I love how in this passage, the very first verse says, the whole of the earth had the same language and vocabulary. This means that everybody was able to communicate freely and without confusion. And at that time, they decided to build a monument to themselves. And this was something that they did in their own unity. They decided to glorify themselves to make a name for humanity by making this building all the way to the sky. And when God saw this, he took away their supposed unity and gave way to order. He confused their languages and scattered the people throughout the earth. Now, this was to bring people back to order. Why? They were in disorder. They were straying away from what God had initially told them to pursue, which was to fill the earth and to seek him first, right? And so God had to bring their focus back and go, now you look to me. Now it's about communication with me. And I say that because at that time, God created different languages, right? But when they were speaking the one language, we think that they were united. But if they had been united, even with the confusion of their languages, they would have found a way to continue the work that they were already doing. This is my personal belief, right? Because I've seen construction sites, I've seen different situations in which people don't speak the same language, but they still manage to achieve the same goal. They still manage some form of communication, right? And so... This was about uncovering the selfishness of what they were doing. So God had to bring order into their disorder. He had to bring humanity back to him, back to what they were actually supposed to be doing, yet they were doing the opposite. They were all staying in one place, bringing glory to themselves. And even though God confused their language and scattered them throughout the earth, God still had a plan for us. God gave us languages that are rich and complex. And centuries later, through the Holy Spirit, he gave us the ability to understand each other. He gave us the gift of interpreting tongues. And so my main takeaway when I read about the Tower of Babel and the beginning of the different tongues and different languages of the world is to not lose focus. The people in the story were so focused on themselves that they lost sight of God. So God came and shifted their focus. And sometimes God has to come and shift our focus. 
As interpreters, we need to remember to not be so con- consumed by the gift that we forget who gave it to us. When interpreting, let's focus on the Word of God. Yeah, just yesterday, I was listening to a testimony about how this interpreter was allowing the Spirit to flow through him and speak the words of God, even when the pastor wasn't preaching. And that helped the listener get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's many more stories like this of the Spirit working through us as interpreters to deliver His Word, right? So I have to constantly remind myself that it's not about me, that it's about God and what God can do through me and to not lose sight of that. Because interpreting in the beginning was a very lonely career for myself, for me, especially because I was the only one in my church doing it. And... In my search to make interpreting more visible, to talk to people about it, I made it more about me. And now there's this belief that, oh, Lauren does the interpreting and that's it. And it's kind of like a territory nobody wants to delve into. And I have to correct that, right? Make sure that I make an effort to let them know how the Spirit works through me and how this isn't something that only I can do, but that's accessible to all of us through the Holy Spirit, right? And so I want us to remember that community amongst interpreters is important, that you need to make sure that, yes, you talk to other believers about this, but you have interpreters that you communicate with too that can help you and guide you while you're carrying the anointment that you're carrying. Sometimes people won't understand why you're doing what you're doing, but that doesn't mean that I shouldn't make an effort to still do it and still talk about it and lead them to understanding. So, My main thing today is let's not lose focus of what God has given us and how he has asked us to employ it because it's very precious. Thanks, Lauren. Interpreting isn't the whole story in churches. In fact, it's not even half the story in churches. When I was doing my PhD, I was trying to understand what churches expected of interpreters in church and why they expected that. Turns out that one variable that people tend not to think about is how important the interpreting is to the church. For example, if the church has interpreting just because they have people from different countries in the church and they don't understand the service, but it's not a big deal, the the interpreting's not central to the church, then churches will tend to treat interpreters as if they were some kind of equipment, like a a channel or a a microphone or a, a cable. And that sort of setup, the church almost admits up front that interpreting and languages by extension are a side issue to them And the interpreting is only really being provided because the situation warrants it. There's no deeper strategy, there's no deeper vision, there's no deeper plan to actually make the most out of this service. In that case, church interpreters tend to be expected to just say what the speaker said. Any of their own knowledge or experience doesn't matter. The church just wants them to be accurate and to get on with the job. 
there's no sense in which the interpreting is worked into a bigger plan or bigger strategy in the church. You also get occasions where church interpreting isn't even needed. It's just something the church does because it's politically astute or because it's part of a wider vision. But there's no need for the interpreting right now. In that case, the church might not have a wider plan to integrate people from different cultures or different backgrounds into the church. They just know they want to reach people who speak different languages, but they're not sure of the competence of the people who are trying to help them do that. In that case, often what happens is the interpreting becomes like a performance within the church. The interpreter becomes the backup artist to the the preacher. And so, if you're in the service and you happen to need the interpreting, you may not have a clue what's going on because the interpreter might not actually be a good interpreter. They're just someone fulfilling a function for the church to be able to say, this is what we're doing. We're trying to reach people from different backgrounds. In both of those cases, what I want you to notice is that the difference isn't interpreting or no interpreting. The difference is whether interpreting forms part of a bigger plan. In both the form of interpreting where it's there but not really wanted, even though it's needed, and the form of interpreting where it's wanted but there's no real need for it right now and there's no plan to integrate it later, what is missing is a long-term strategy both for interpreting and for the diversity that the interpreting can and should bring. Most likely what happens in both cases is that eventually the interpreting dies away, or the vision dies away, or the people who came to the church realise that although they can hear something in their language, they don't feel very welcome, and so the diversity of the church dies away. The state of interpreting in the church is often a reflection of the church's wider commitment to reaching people from different backgrounds. In fact, the state of interpreting is often related to the strategy behind the interpreting and the strategy behind the outreach to people who speak different languages. So how do we get interpreting right? Well, there's a third position for interpreting. And that is that the interpreting is both something that the church needs because they have people who need to hear the service in a certain language and something that the church wants, something that the church values, something that's part of a wider church strategy, something that's part of a wider church plan, something that the church is committed to, that the church is making central to everything they do. We're interpreting as part of a wider multicultural or intercultural vision. And there's a commitment to partnership. And there's a commitment to make sure that it's meeting the needs of the people who require it. Then you get successful interpreting. In fact, It may be too much to say then and only then do you get successful interpreting. How do we recognise that the interpreting's going well, that the strategy is there? Well, first, we can tell whether the interpreting is part of a wider plan or whether it's just something thrown together to meet the immediate needs of a small group. Is anyone on the church leadership team looking at doing training on intercultural ministry? Is the church showing in its actions and in its welcome that people are welcome when they come from different backgrounds? Are there people in the church committed to learning about other cultures so that they don't assume that what is normal for them is normal for everyone? Is the church prepared to give on how the service works or when the service starts or how people are welcomed into the church or even what people wear in church for the sake of welcoming people from different cultures? into the church or has the church decided this is who we are and if you're not happy with who we are you have to go somewhere else is it a genuine love and desire to be intercultural another thing i would always look out for 
is whether there's any interaction between those who are preaching and those who are interpreting. Is there a desire for the two to learn from each other? Do the preachers want to know how to preach more effectively with an interpreter? Do the interpreters want to work with the preacher to understand more about how a sermon works? That's another sign that the interpreting is going to last and is going to make a difference. Finally, something that I would always look for in a church is whether there's a plan. What is the interpreting connected to? What is the plan for looking at the leadership structure to make sure that the leadership of the church is multicultural? What is the plan to to look at not just providing interpreting, but also written translation of materials? What is the interpreting part of? And when you know what, what the interpreting's part of, when you can see the commitment in the church, when you can see the interaction between preachers and leaders and interpreters, then you can see interpreting that does all the things that it promises and delivers all the results and all the impact that people want it to have. In the last episode, during our tip section, Jonathan gave us a tip about how we need to close the feedback loop. We don't just need to ask for feedback from our pastors or give feedback to our pastors, but also receive feedback from the people that listen to our interpreting. So I decided to take that into action and show you guys a little bit of what those questions can look like. I have Luis here. He's been one of our faithful English-speaking members at my church, and he receives my translation every Sunday. And I wanted to ask him first and foremost why he chose to come to a Spanish-speaking church in the first place. Well, I chose to go to Spanish-speaking church because I used to speak Spanish when I was little. I used to grow up speaking Spanish. But ever since I've been going to school and everything, I've been having to learn English. And then, like, my Spanish kind of lost a little bit. So my family already went to this church already, and I wanted to come along there. And I was so lucky that they have the translation there because sometimes I try to interpret things in Spanish and it's not really like kind of 100% there. But yeah, the fact that there's a translation there did help so much. That way I can hear like the English part more accurately from the Spanish and I can kind of like compare things Spanish and English. But that, that would be my reason why I would go to Spanish speaking church, primarily for family. Perfect. And then within the fact that you come for your family and that you started to come to this church that luckily had translation, how do did you choose that it was an effective translation, that you were getting the right message? I mean, it sounded right. Like every time every time I listen to it, I, I understand it. I get the the gist of the message and everything. I mean, I hear the translation and it sounds right to me. It doesn't seem too too literal. Sometimes they kind of take translate things really literally. But the way they've been translating sounds really good. There's like a nice flow to it. Um, doesn't sound too like robotish, if you know what I mean. But I mean, yeah, it's been actually really effective. I, I understand the message really well whenever, you know, I, I leave the church and I be able to explain it to other people. But yeah, I would say it's pretty effective. Do you think there's anything you'd want to change about the way interpreting is being done within the church? I mean, so far, ever since I started church and I found out that there was a translation, I mean, I, it, it was pretty easy trying to access to it. It was just like a, a phone number, an extension there. Um, they had flyers. There's even up 
put it up in the slideshow, but <laughs> I didn't notice that until later. They had it in the slideshow and everything. I didn't even notice it. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it was pretty effective there. It's, the only thing sometimes, like, because it's through a phone, it, it kind of is kind of staticky and everything. It kind of cuts off a little bit. But, I mean, other than that, I think it's pretty good. Like, everything with translation, the access to it, it's, it's really good. Listening to it, I have no problem with. But, yeah, I, I don't really have much to say about it. That's good. Let's talk spiritual. Okay. Do you think that you can still receive from the spirit, even though it's an interpretation? Do you think you can still receive from the spirit, even though you're receiving an interpretation? I think, yeah, I think you can definitely receive the spirit through interpretation. I mean, it's all, a, I don't think having it done a different language puts in the way for the spirit to speak at, to speak to you. Because of course, like if you'll be able to understand whatever the message is, regardless of what language it is, that's where the spirit, you know, that's where that understanding the spirit takes. A, I don't want to say takes advantage of that, but that's where it can lead off from there and be able to speak to you. Because like how, like if let's say if the translation was in, let's say like, Korean and I don't know that. I, for me personally, I don't think I'll be able to, you know, be delivered by the spirit if it's in a language that I don't really understand. I mean, I would feel their presence in the church because I know that it's like the message. We're we're in a godly church, but no, I don't think I don't think because it's been translated, it gets no way for the spirit to speak to you. Like there were definitely times where I'd be listening to a translation and I totally understand. Then the spirit speaks to me. And connect things of issues that I've been dealing with personally. So, fortunately for me, no, I, I don't think. Um, in terms of like the spirit, getting, the the language translation getting in the way for the spirit to come to you, I, I don't think that gets in the way of that. Here's this month's quick tip, and it's one which is almost always forgotten. You don't need to hide your interpreting. For some churches, interpreting is almost an embarrassment, and they like to keep the interpreting hidden away inside the booth, or in a corner, or under just a little option on the website. But if you're serious about people getting used to the fact that heaven is multilingual, that Pentecost is multilingual, and that to meet the needs of our society, church is going to be multilingual too, it doesn't make sense to have interpreting hidden away in a corner and to be almost forgotten about for those who don't need it. It makes sense for interpreting to be a part of who your church is and an obvious ministry in your church. I recently read a wonderful article on Intercultural Church where the person talked about the language translation devices in people's ears. Those things do exist and are available for a price, but the writer was really meaning human interpreters. But human interpreting in this event and in this church have been so hidden away that it was almost as if it just happened by magic. It just happened to appear out of nowhere. If your church has interpreting, especially if it's human interpreting, if languages are an important part of your church's life, say so. Say so from the pulpit, say so from your website, Say so in your announcements. Thank the interpreters on a regular basis, publicly, not just privately. Let the people who don't need interpreting know how important interpreting is to your church. And maybe every so often flip the script and have a Sunday 
where those who usually don't need the interpreters do need the interpreters if your church is usually in Spanish. Have an English service where the Spanish speakers need to use the interpreters. If your church is usually in English, have a Spanish service or a Dutch service or a German service. Flip the script occasionally to help people know what it's like to listen to the interpreting. It keeps your interpreters sharp. But also to keep the issue of language at the forefront of your church. So many churches seem ashamed of having interpreting and it seems like something that they wish they didn't have. But having interpreting, making a big deal out of interpreting, says a lot not just about your church and its theology, but about how you really see the people who speak different languages who come to your church every Sunday. So if you have interpreting, make sure that people know that it's there and that you're glad it is. Thank you for listening to the Church Interpreting Podcast. If you'd like more access to free resources on all things church interpreting, head on over to churchinterpreting.com where you can also sign up for a free monthly newsletter. I hope you're having a wonderful day and we'll see you next time.